What is up, everybody? Welcome to the self-improved show. And I, I can't wait for this one. I'm actually getting to the end of this first section of notes. Today is going to be a mashup of a bunch of things. You know, some really thought-provoking TikTok stuff, as well as this um, not even book summary, like a concept summary of Neville Goddard, some other random dude from way back. And again, I don't want to waste your time. Honestly, let's just jump right in. This is titled Awareness. In this talk, he starts out by saying flow is subconscious. All right, do you agree with that? Or can a person be in a conscious state during a state of flow? For anyone that doesn't know, flow is the feeling when you're flying down a hill on a bike and everything is moving so fast, but you feel this sense of calmness. And now, technically speaking, picture an X and a Y axis. And on the X axis is skill. On the Y axis is challenge. Being in flow is when you're at the max amount of skill and max amount of challenge. That's when people feel flow. So, few people that want to enjoy their job better should actually seek flow at their workplace. This is a concept by Dr. Lori Santos from the Happiness Lab. And in her course, The Science of Well-Being, she discusses that if you have too much skill and too little challenge, you will feel bored. If you have too much challenge, too little skill, you will feel hindered and things will be daunting. Flow is that perfect balance. Anyways, I don't know. Can you be conscious in flow or does that take you out of flow state? You tell me. Next, our realities are projected by our subconscious mind. This, to me, almost seems like common sense. Again, our subconscious is what creates our belief. And everything we perceive, we believe. Therefore, our realities are indeed projected by the subconscious because of that ripple effect of like believing everything we perceive. So yes, our reality 100% is created and projected by the subconscious. It's actually when you really think of it like a movie screen, that we're sitting in the movie theater, all of our senses and what we see in here, that is like a movie that we're watching. But there are more dimensions than that, theoretically speaking. Like what's outside of the movie theater? What's outside the screen that we're just projecting our senses on? That's the trippy thing. Anyways, let's get back to what we're talking about. There's a cool concept by Neville Goddard. It's called detaching from outcomes. Now, to explain this best, picture someone in musical theater, an army sergeant or soldier, or even an athlete. All of these people have created a plan before they go into battle. However, when they're in the moment, they have to react really well to the present dynamics. Right? So think about the musical theater person. You have a script, you have everything, but you have to almost forget about that and just be in the moment. Because what if someone slips up their line? What if someone steps in the wrong place? You have to react to those dynamics. Now, if someone is too focused on everything they had planned, they will miss an opportunity to metaphorically dodge that person who stepped out of place. Or they'll miss the opportunity to bounce off of their missed line really well. And this is a metaphor for anything. Think of the army sergeant. You go in with a plan. Maybe something happens in the present moment, takes you away from that goal. If you're still 
set on that goal, you won't know how to tackle the present dynamics. Uh, it's the same with athletes, right? Now, if you, this, this says here, I wrote down, if you are too focused on the outcome, um, you, you might miss an opportunity for, to reach said desired outcome. Yeah, we discussed this. Now, the real question is, why aren't we present to the moment? This is really fascinating, actually. Rigidity, it's caused by the subconscious replaying past experiences. This will actually stop us from moving forwards. Really keep that in mind, people, is, is like our subconscious will replay the past experience of fear, right, and insecurity. So, like, let's say the person that is is uh, missing opportunities in the moment let's take an athlete let's say their past experience is striking out and so you know they or you know this is a better one let's say a baseball player they grounded out to end the game in the past so that's their past experience and, and that's in their subconscious and the subconscious is tied to ego and so like they don't want to kill that ego so their subconscious keeps showing them that fearful moment of grounding out so that they don't have to recreate a new ego of like i can i can hit the winning uh single so then they take a bunch of pitches and they don't actually try and swing the bat and they end up getting out like that is how people become rigid because of the subconscious replaying past experience so really be careful of that and like detach from that like don't and that just means changing the information you take in so that your subconscious is programmed to want to actually take those risks that will benefit you. Next, let's move on to this this interesting point that that in which empowers us drives flow. And that makes sense. Things that empower you will get you into flow states. Those that disempower us kills flow. And that is so accurate as well. So... Keep that in mind the next time you're wondering why things aren't flying by. Like the, this, the cliche, time flies when you're having fun, is really true. It should be time flies when you're in flow. That's what the saying should be. There's a quote here, self-mastery. If you don't conquer yourself, you will be conquered by the self. <laughs> it's very true, and I'll let that sit with you. On to some TikTok notes. This was Duncan Trussell. Uh, go Google Duncan Trussell. He's he's very, very spiritual, but he loves Buddhism. And he, he talked about in this concept in Buddhism that we cling to our personalities like crazy. You know, really think about that, actually. That alone is mind-blowing. Like, have you ever thought about that? You really identify with your personality like, really, really heavily. He says the same way that we would cling to a pole over a floor covered by razor blades. How kind of eerie and poetic is that so people refer to experience themselves they sorry not refer they people prefer to experience themselves and identify as their flesh uh, rather than them being everything so there are ways to get out of our body identification right it, it's our awareness is us Keep that in mind. And this is all theoretical, people. I just want to, you know, maybe expand your horizons to these theories. This is philosophy. Our flesh is what we're wearing. Like, our skin is just what we're wearing. It's an attachment to our body. 
our body is strictly a vehicle for our awareness to navigate. What's really interesting is when a person dies, it seems as though everything reminds us of that person. So they are now in everything in our minds, right? Just a food for thought. It's kind of poetic. But really, really think about the awareness part, like a pen. When you use a pen, we don't identify as that's us. We're not that pen. That's a separate thing. However, it's a tool we're using. It's actually an attachment to our body. However, our body is just an attachment to our mind, right? Uh, it's a tool for our brain. <laughs> so why do we identify as this body? Is it because we're with it all the time? The same way if I was, if I glued that pen to my finger, it is now me. Like that is me. However, it does that also have something to do with the feelings. Like if that pen broke, I wouldn't feel the pen break. And because feelings is what kept us alive, that's kind of like the root to, to everything. So versus if I broke my finger and I feel that pain, I'm like, ah, I, I just broke my finger, not I broke my pen. And you say, well, and this is where it is. Like, what? So the fact that I even just use that language of my pen, like we're talking about what is an extension of the body? What isn't like what? Who is you? That's the real question. So like you aren't your body, right? That is a meat suit that you've been given to just, you know, I guess, um, project or, or take the thoughts that your brain has and, and I guess use them. But then even your brain, we could go further with this, right? Your brain even, that's not even you, right? Like the awareness of you having a brain is you, in my opinion. But this is where I was talking to a friend and it gets rocky because you'd have to change your language completely. Everything you do would have to be, my awareness is perceiving my body doing that instead of saying, I am picking this up. Like you'd have to say, my, I am aware that my body is picking this up or, or not even my body. I am aware, my awareness is aware that this body that my that I'm aware of is picking something up. Like it'd be super trippy. See what I'm saying? And that's why you just cannot change that language it, it doesn't make any sense but you can at least think about the awareness aspect like you are strictly just the awareness really interesting really really interesting so i want you guys to tell me if you agree with this or not um oh and by the way before i even get to that th this was talking about um people arguing negative dissociation that, that that thought of you aren't your body that's negative dissociation meaning that uh, a person thinks like okay nothing's in my control then i can't control because because think about it why do we exercise we want to take care of our body but that's where you go into the language thing again when we exercise to get bigger muscles or run faster or whatever feel good we're actually just trying to enhance the awareness of feeling good and seeing muscles like that's still not us theoretically it's all theoretical i'm not saying anything's right or wrong and they they go on to say like if a person enjoys their existence in their metaphorical cockpit then they're gonna take positive action so like if a person isn't is aware of joy and because i always picture our bodies as like i'm in a robot and i'm controlling the robot with the levers <laughs> and that's my awareness and i'm even controlling my brain with the levers and so I'm just saying, like, it comes back to subconscious programming that if you can program positively, you'll take action no matter what. That's positive to your awareness. It's, it's all very trippy, just saying. So this saying, it's 
wanting a positive experience is a negative experience. And accepting a negative experience is a positive experience. So I'll say it one more time because it's a little trippy. Wanting a positive experience is a negative experience. Accepting a negative experience is a positive experience. Now, so what is accepting a positive experience then? And what is wanting a negative experience? That's where I just deducted it. And it should really be wanting is negative. Accepting is positive. Capiche? So how does one strive then for a life of gratification? Well, our past may have programmed us in such a strong manner that we can't possibly accept certain types of suffering. So we might have to work up to a level of presence that we can accept, because acceptance is everything, apparently, according to this. Some folks' upbringing mean more work than others, right? Uh, however, again, that accept, acceptance versus wanting, the people that are addicted to the dopamine hits of winning life always want they and some people are like that like i think of gary vanderchuk and like some of these people that it's and think of all those huge blue chip stock owners those company owners they don't need to work anymore they they are clearly addicted to the dopamine hits of winning winning whatever that is to them so there's so many variables and questions attached to this predicament like i at this point i don't even know if we have to accept everything and want everything because because that's the thing is how come then we aren't just sitting at home, you make the least amount of money possible and just accept everything. Like, learn to truly accept and just do nothing. Like, pretty much do nothing except for things that feel good. And that's where I would argue, this is a hot take, that being in a capitalistic society, like North America is very capitalistic, we've been taught to want. that. It, taught to want so deeply that it's almost like if you don't want... You are ridiculed, you're lazy, like there are all these negative characteristics and attributes that are applied to you when you do not give in to the capitalistic society. And I'm a hypocrite here because like I give in so hard to capitalism, like there are so many goals I have that are tied to that and it's almost this um, ignorance is bliss, like I don't even want to think about the why because it's not like I'm going to all of a sudden not live a capitalistic life, like it's almost impossible to get by without doing so so there's no point in me like kvetching about it there is um I, I wrote here we think to be happy we need a wife like this or a husband like that and a job like this and a job like that however happiness is actually how you feel right now with yourself right now so don't set impossible expectations for happiness i want that to really resonate because a lot of people are saying, like, okay, I'll put my happiness aside for until this happens. Well, plot twist, people. <laughs> you, that's not how it works. I'm sorry. Go watch Dr. Lori Santos' stuff or, or take her free course. I'm telling you, people that are happy before an event are going to be happy afterwards and vice versa. People unhappy before something will be unhappy after. And when I say after, it's a broad term. It could be years after. Because, like, let's say you go to a concert. Okay, that's really enjoyable and happy for, like, 20 hours. And then life continues. In it. So it's like you have to be happy before stuff happens if you want to be happy after. And it's the same with marriage and jobs and everything. So I, and I just watched a video recently. The guy was saying, like, don't marry an unhappy person. It sounds cutthroat, but seriously, like, you can't change someone. 
you, you think you can make someone who's unhappy happy. It's just not, it will not happen. They have to be happy before life hits them and then they'll be happy forever. Because <clears throat> it, and there's another thing I just read. It was from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And when he was in the concentration camps in Auschwitz, he realized there was one thing that no one can take away from you. And that is your attitude. No matter how much someone is tortured, beat down, ridiculed, you name it, your attitude is always yours. And that's really, really inspirational, empowering, and motivating. It is up to you how your your attitude is. Never, ever, ever, ever say, that person made me feel this. No, 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 no. Your attitude on life is completely up to you. I'm sorry. It, it, that's just the way it is. And if if someone did something that really made you upset, you might have to just dive a little deeper. They flashed a light on a fear or insecurity. And so sure, what they said shined a light. But that's not, you, you're not mad at them. You're, you're mad at that they've shined a light on a fear and insecurity, all right? And so really, that's where the communication can get healthier with someone, a friend or a partner. And the communication can, can become, I am extremely scared of, fill in the blank, I am insecure about, fill in the blank, and then you say, and that's why I am upset. I am so, and then, and then the person can empathize. They can love you more. They can actually support you versus attacking because that's easy. We all have been taught to do that where we say like, well, fuck you for saying that and making me feel this way. No, and now the person's going to be like, what, what the hell like, did I do? And, and it becomes an argument of like defending their ego. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So. And and the ego, again, like, don't even get me started because it ties to identity. Like, let's take this situation of someone attacks and says, yeah, fuck you for saying that I was lazy, um, you know? And then the person hears that and they might say, like, oh, well, uh, they think I'm being mean and I don't identify as a mean person. So, like, I have to now justify why... I said it, and, and it's all these justifications because if a person truly identifies as something, there's no need to justify. You will just sit there and nod your head yes, understanding that the projection is from their past baggage. But it's not that easy because even people who feel very strong about their identities, when it is questioned, you can really see the cracks in it, just saying. Um, but it's, and that's why all that could be cleared up. It could all be cleared up if a person just simply said like, I'm feeling scared and that's why I'm upset or I'm, I'm insecure and that's why I'm upset or I'm feeling fearful and that's why I'm angry. And then the I statements, um, because then the person doesn't even have to have their ego questioned, you know, cause like, for example, if someone, I would want to tell that person arguing to me, I would want to tell them like, What's making you scared? What's making you fearful? What's, what, what are you insecure about that's triggering this? However, I don't say that because if I said that, now I'm attacking that insecurity and fear. And it's actually going to cause a backfiring effect where they're going to get even more upset at me for doing an addition. I've shined the light now twice on a fear and insecurity. See what I'm saying? And that's why I just have to be quiet and let them, and nod my head and let them vent it out and get mad at me. I have to let that happen. But then that's that is where if people are really in tune and they they don't let that happen. Like people who are really in tune with the awareness of their psychology, 
they're not going to let the person then get mad at them because God forbid that person believed that they were a dick because that person doesn't identify as a dick. It's like, God forbid that happened. And that's where the arguments occur is everyone's just protecting their egos and identity. There's my, my spiel is over there. And this, it's actually funny we got to this because uh, the next point here is, is about ego. And our ego controls our life if we always feel threatened or in competition with people. Really think about that. When in your life have you felt threatened? Think about that. And then when in your life have you been in competition with people? Think about that too. Your ego has controlled your life in those moments. <laughs> so next time something like that comes up, be hyper aware of your self-talk. Because your self-talk is pretty much your ego. Now, everyone is us. Um, now, I put in brackets here because we see something in ourselves in everyone. Like, you see something of yourself in everyone you meet and come across. When we try super hard to detach from that theory, that's our ego in our head talking. <laughs> so just give in and understand that you see part of yourself in everyone. That is why you empathize. That is why you get upset at what people do because that actually provokes that thought of fear like uh, what's an example um, you let's say you see somebody or you meet somebody who plays video games all day and they don't like to read about something the reason you don't like that and you might not you know want to hang with that person is because that reminds you of a fear of yours which is if you video if you gamed all day and didn't read that's scary because like it means you're not reaching your goals see what i'm saying like so when you don't like someone it's it actually has to do with you not liking that part of yourself um and i guess that's okay right like i'm not this is all philosophy like i'm not here to say anything's right or wrong i'm just saying that's the way it kind of is so uh, really mind-blowing like i love thinking about that uh everything you come across is a reflection of yourself too like literally Look, what's at your feet right now? Whatever you're doing, like what's, or what do you see in front of you right now? You have chosen to be here. Like, so the street in front of you, the, the grass under your feet, the carpet under your feet, the hardwood under your feet, that's all a choice. You, it's a reflection of you because it's a reflection of your choices and you are your choices. So like technically, if you, if you don't like or identify as what you're seeing right now, move, get out of there. <laughs> like, like, see what I'm saying? Like, it's your choice. You could technically go and move across the world so that you don't see that street that you're looking at right now. You don't see the carpet or, or you name it, whatever you see or perceive. I'm telling you, it, like you, everything's a reflection of you. Everything you see in people is a reflection of yourself. And, and so like that when you judge someone, it's typically because that reminds you of a fear of yourself, something you don't want to see in yourself. <laughs> and that's why you don't like them. It reminds you of that fear. And so like, I'm almost thinking like you can love everyone if you just have the under, that understanding of like, I guess, you know, you can love yourself if you did game every day. I don't know. And then you, and then you see, you seek an understanding. I, you tell me, like, it's a little too deep even for me. Like, what do you do next? Or, or is it okay not to like someone just because of that fear? How do you get rid of that fear? Fear drives us. Like, should we even get rid of that fear? Because once you get rid of the insecurity and fear in yourself and nothing reminds you of that fear and insecurity, then you, in essence, could love everyone and anyone. But is that even normal? Like, would we even be surviving every day if we got rid of those things? I don't know. Food for thought. Uh, that actually is the end of the notes there. How long? 20? Oh, wow. Time kind of flew on this one. 
I'm going to leave it at 23 minutes. People, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for hearing me just absolutely kvetch, cavell, and schmooze your head off. You know, I totally understand sometimes I sound like a schmo with this stuff because I'm still learning. But uh, thanks for taking the time. I love doing this. I'm going to let you go now. Enjoy the rest of your day. Talk about this with your friends, all right? Because that's talk about perspective. And then just listen. Don't talk. Just listen. You cannot learn and talk at the same time. I'm sorry. You got to listen. Take care. Bye.